Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. And speaking of embracing life, everyone loves a gripping tale of intrigue and suspense. And few writers can claim to keep millions of readers, actually more than 26 million of us, eagerly turning pages like best-selling author Steve Barry. Steve has just added another book to his already impressive list. It's called The Atlas Maneuver, and he's joining us today to share all about it. I'm so excited to find out more, so welcome, Steve. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, you've had uh, an extraordinary list of bestsellers and several works of art of short fiction, but we had a chance to speak a little before we went on air, and like and I, like we were talking about, I'd like to go over a little bit of your personal history, because that's pretty doggone uh, role model-ish for those of us that want to be authors ourselves, because you had a 30-year career as a trial lawyer, so what made you want to become an author? And uh, from what I read, it wasn't a necessarily an easy path to that uh, ultimate job. <laughs> well, I, like all writers, I had a little voice in my head, and the little voice in my head tells me to write. And every writer I've ever met has that little voice in their head. You're kind of born with it. And I had that little voice for about 10 years in the 1980s, and I ignored it. Finally, in 1990, I listened to it, and I started writing. I wrote a manuscript. It was pretty terrible. I wrote a couple more. They're pretty terrible. Eventually, I got five of. I wrote eight manuscripts. You know, for the next twelve years, I wrote eight manuscripts. Wow. And five went to five went to New York publishing houses. They were rejected eighty-five times. I made it the eighty-sixth time after you know twelve years after I started. So my process was a long process to get published. I was first published in two thousand and three. And now here we are 21 years later with 24 books and uh, going strong, which is really cool. Well, and two, yes, I, I think luckily for you, as well as your legions of readers, your novels have achieved great success, and I know you've won numerous awards on top of that, but I'm thinking, you know, the success would never get old, but certainly those early successes must have been especially rewarding. I bet you wanted to yell, call those New York publishers who rejected you and say, I told you so, I told you so. Well, it's just it's 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 a subjective call, and you know, unfortunately, at that time, my genre was kind of dead in the '90s. It took the Da Vinci Code that came out in 2003 to bring the genre back to life, and so they were looking for books to go with Da Vinci, and that's how you know I was in the right place at the right time with the right story. Twelve years after I started. Wow. Well, that's a that again is a wonderful. Uh, uh, um, what I'm trying, the word I'm trying to think of is, is a is a role model for those of us again who who might have wanted to do something similar and don't give up, keep going because boy have you achieved worldwide success and this latest novel, The Atlas Maneuver, features one of your readers' all-time favorite characters, Cotton Malone. So tell us uh, a little bit about Cotton's background for those few who might not be familiar with him and an overview of his latest thrilling adventure found in this book, The Atlas Maneuver. Well, he's a retired Justice Department agent who lives in Copenhagen, and he owns an old bookshop, and he kind of gets himself into trouble all the time. 
He's not a Daniel Craig kind of guy. He's more a George Clooney kind of guy. He's an ordinary fella that can rise up and do some extraordinary things when called upon. And in this book, his 18th adventure, and by the way, you don't have to get put off by that. You don't have to read the other 17. You can come into my series any way you want, any time. You can even start with this book, and you'll be fine. But in this new adventure, he gets caught up in a war between the world's oldest bank and the CIA over Yamashita's gold, which was a treasure from World War II, a real treasure from World War II, gold that was buried all across the Philippines in 1945, some of which was found by the American intelligence community and used for some very interesting purposes after the war, most of it still in the ground. And Bitcoin, which is, you know, it brings it forward to today, and Bitcoin forms a very big part of this story. I wanted I wanted Bitcoin to be the story, and that's what it's about. And so the reader is going to learn a lot about Bitcoin. If you don't know anything about it, I think you're going to get a pretty good education on it. I knew nothing about it, so I had to learn myself. So I wanted to convey that to the reader, and I think it, we succeeded in that. I think you're going to read it and go, wow, this is fun. I'm great story, but I've also learned something here that I never knew before. Well, and I want to stress too, Steve. I mean, that is one thing you're known for because uh, you you your blending of historical fact and thrilling storylines. But also, you have to conduct a lot of research for your books because, again, these are historically accurate, or in in the case of this book, currently accurate. And finding out all this information, what is your you know your process like for research? It must take quite a while to do that before you even start the novel part of the book. I, I do. I do six months of preliminary research while I'm writing the book before so that when I finish that book, I'm ready to go on the next one. And it, and then I, I do 12 months of additional research while I'm writing the novel. So it's an 18-month process from start to finish. It involves around three to 400 sources total. Uh, I don't read three to 400 books, but I do read large chunks of those books. And I make notes. They're about nine inches tall when I'm done. And I'm only going to use a small little portion of those notes uh, to, for the novel. But the, you know, the niche I've carved for myself is that my books are as close to reality as possible. And I try to keep reality you know, there you know, 90% of the time. There's a writer's note in the back of all of my books, though, that tells you where I tripped it up so that you'll know. And that's sort of my, my thing. You know, my readers like to be entertained, but they also like to be informed. Well, and speaking of being entertained and informed, I'm sure that's true for you, too. And I'm thinking like something like Bitcoin, like you just mentioned, that you didn't really know a lot about it yourself prior to starting this book. So does something grab your eye in the news or something that you've read that say, I think I'm going to write a book about that and I'm going to start researching that? Just the, the concept itself, I just, I've, I've so, heard so much about cryptocurrency and particularly Bitcoin, which is the most popular cryptocurrency. And there's a lot associated with Bitcoin that's quite fascinating. It's a huge, it's huge. There's millions and millions of coins and, and hundreds of millions of wallets with coins in them. But there's also a flaw in the Bitcoin system, a big giant flaw in the system that the Bitcoiners don't like to talk a lot about. But this book exploits that flaw to its maximum. So I wanted to not only inform the reader, but I also wanted to show something that may be wrong with the system as well that's very interesting too. So it was just one of those things that fascinated me, and that's what I look for when I'm writing my novels. Well, and fascinating you and fascinating the rest of us because, boy, this is really something. 
I, I, I could go on and on. We've only got a couple minutes left, but I, one really quick question I want to ask you about uh, Cotton, because he is such a part of your personal history and, again, the history of your readers. Does he hold a special place in your psyche? I know a lot of times authors say that their main characters kind of talk to them while you're writing. Yeah, he's 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 me basically. I mean, I use my personality in him, so him and I are very close, and so yeah, he's very special to me. He's he's somewhat real to me in many ways, and um, I I enjoy visiting with him. I enjoy being with him, and he's grown a lot over the last you know eighteen books. And this book, he's going to grow a little more because he comes to face to face with something from his past, a woman he thought he would never see again, and he has to deal with an emotion he's never really dealt with much. He's not good at it, and that's the emotion of regret and so he has to deal with that in this novel oh my gosh well and last quick question because we got about 30 seconds left but but you and your wife elizabeth have founded a wonderful nonprofit called history matters so tell us a little bit about that before we have to hop we, uh, we go into communities, help them raise money for historic preservation. We usually do it through a writer's workshop that you buy your way into with a contribution. But we've done galas and dinners, luncheons. You buy your way in with contributions. All that money goes to the project. We don't charge to come. We don't charge expenses. We pay our own way to be there. We've raised about $3 million for about 80 different oh. restoration projects around the country. If anybody has one or has an idea, you can go to my website, steveberry.org, click on History Matters, and uh, send us an email. We'll see if we can help you out. Oh, my gosh, Steve. What a delight to speak with you. Not only are you a highly successful author, but you're giving back to the community. You and your wife must have a wonderful life together. Thank you for sharing your time, your amazingly creative mind, uh, of course, Cotton Malone, and this latest must-read the Atlas Maneuver. Yes, I agree. Everybody needs to read it. I hope they do. Thank you. I hope they do, too, because it is a real page-turner, I've got to say. And like you said, you'll learn a lot while you're being entertained. So thanks again, Steve. And until next time, this is Mary, Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio. Say, I'll catch you later. Bye-bye. Bye.